always sing sing that or whenever I sing that song or it runs through my mind, I always think of the the Getty conference that Beth and I had the privilege to be at a few years ago with fifteen thousand pe- people singing. Is he worthy? I don't know if you if you have YouTube, go to it this afternoon. It's Andrew Peterson, wasn't it? And do do a YouTube search on Andrew Peterson. Is he worthy? And and if you listen real closely, you'll hear Beth and I singing when that group of fifteen thousand people. Okay, <laughs> you you might catch our voices in there. You might be able to pick them out. But oh man, I get chills on my arms just thinking of that song and, and singing with that big of a choir. And you know what, folks? In heaven, it's going to be a lot bigger than fifteen thousand people singing. And all we'll be doing is is praising our God and Savior. Just lifting and exalting Him. Father, as we look into Your Word, open our eyes, give us understanding, challenge us. Challenge us, Father, to look for opportunities to share Jesus Christ. Challenge our hearts that we might have a burden for those around us that, that we know that they need Jesus. And Father, lay it on our hearts. Give us boldness. Give us the the courage to stand up for what's true and right and to share and proclaim Jesus Christ. Thank you for the the witness and the testimony of the apostles uh, as they stand before the Sanhedrin. And and just that we uh, need to follow their example, Father. Give us courage. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit that they had. We know that we have the same Holy Spirit that they did. And so we have no excuse. Give us boldness, Father, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Open God's words, if you would, to Acts chapter 5. Last week, we were supposed to go from 17 to 28. We kind of made it through 23. And I really skimped on 21 through 23, so I'm going to go back and hit some of that this morning. And then we'll move on. Lord willing, we'll get through verse 32 today. But we started last week in verse 17 and 18. The high priest rose up along with his associates, and they were filled with jealousy. Do you remember why they were filled with jealousy? They were filled with jealousy because... The apostles were healing in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? They didn't have that power. They thought all their power was in themselves. They did not use or make themselves available to follow Jesus Christ to access of the Holy Spirit. They were jealous because here the apostles were getting all the attention. They were healing people. People like to be healed. Anybody here with an ailment today that wouldn't just love to have it gone? Yeah. I mean, I'm not even talking about the serious cases. Anybody got a twisted ankle or something, or something minor, you know? Or, you know, sometimes a headache? Who wouldn't love to be completely healed? The people loved them. They weren't so much in love with the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees. Because all those guys did was give them a bunch of rules and yell at them when they were breaking them. 
The apostles had Jesus. The Sanhedrin didn't. So they were jealous. And they were, I mean, you want to talk, you know, this is jealousy on steroids, okay? Because in verse 18 it says, they laid hands on the apostles and put them in jail. That's some serious jealousy right there. That is some serious jealousy. But remember we looked in Isaiah a few weeks ago? Satan, he was jealous of God. He wanted to be higher than God. He's going to carry out his work. And the apostles were the, 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 in contrast to the Sadducees. They were, they were doing everything that the Sadducees wished they could do, but the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. So they really couldn't utilize the power of the Holy Spirit if they didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. And just as Satan did, the Sanhedrin, the religious body, were fighting the exaltation of Jesus Christ. That's what the apostles were all about. Exalting Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. In, Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, of the, the Nazarene. In the name of the Holy and the Righteous One, in the name of the author of life. That's what they were doing. And it caused the, the, the rulers that be, the religious rulers, to be jealous. The whole, the whole reason that God created the universe, the whole reason was to exalt Jesus Christ. Last week we looked briefly in John chapter 1, and in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overpower it. Read that again. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overpower it. The very reason that the universe was created was to exalt our great God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And the Sanhedrin were not about that. They just knew that, that the apostles were getting all the attention and they weren't. And they didn't like that. So as we moved on last week, okay, then the angel of the Lord... Verse 19, came during the night and opened the gates of the prison and he took them out. Oh yeah, the Sadducees didn't believe in angels either. So how cool is that that God sent an angel to, to, to get him out of prison? And the angel told them in verse 20, Go your way, stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. We found out that there's two or three of you in here that have the right translation because the word life is capitalized in your translation. If it's not, folks, take it. And this is, I don't think lightning's going to strike you. I don't think God's going to be angry at you. If you have a pen and your Bible doesn't have life capitalized, make, make that L a capital L, will you? Make that a capital L. Because that's directly referring to Jesus Christ. And he is the life. Okay, and we were just reading in John 1. Life was the light of men. 
He is life. Again, the Sadducees didn't want anything to do that with that. Now we'll kind of pick up, we kind of skimmed 21 to 23 last week. But upon in verse 21, upon hearing this, they entered the temple about daybreak and began to teach. The apostles did what the angel told them to do. Go, stand, and speak. Go, stand, preach the gospel. Preach the life to the people that come to the temple. Further on in verse 21. Now when the high priest and his associates had come, they called the council together. Okay, now the council is a little bit different than the Sanhedrin. The council is a bigger body of people. If you look um, back up in verse 17 there, it talks about the high priest along with his associates, the sect of the Sadducees. And we looked back on chapter 4, verse 6, Annas the high priest was there, Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all were of the high priestly descent. That was the Sanhedrin. They were the 70, the council of 70 that, that the apostles had gone through before the first time. And they yelled at him and said, don't preach in that name, and sent him away. Well, now they're back, and they're bigger and bolder, you know, go big or go home, whatever. But here now we have the council. And it says, even all the senate of the sons of Israel. There was a council, there was three, three judges, three benches, shall we say, three courts in, in the religious system. There, there was the Sanhedrin, the 70, and then there was 23 judges that sat. Their, their place was outside the gate, and they're, they're called the, get this, the outer gate court. And then we have, get, get, get this, the inner gate court, okay? Real, real tough to remember that one, the outer and the inner. 23 judges on each one of those. So now we've got the 70, we've got this other 46, we've got 116 judges, that the, that, that the Sanhedrin and, and the high priest and his buddies are bringing these guys before. Now it's not just, as in 17, it's not just the high priest and his associates, but it's the high priest, his associates, and they called the council together. And they sent orders to the prison house for the apostles to be brought. Now, there, there's two sides to this coin. There's, there's the perspective of this, the Sanhedrin and the council. The high priest wants the whole council there because once and for all, he wants to put these guys to death and be done with them. And he, and he, wants, he wants everybody, you know, the, the, the other two councils have been hearing what's going on. You know, it, you know, they didn't have the nightly news with Channel 7 or 9 or whatever, but they did have the word of mouth gossip chain going, and I'm sure it went just as good then, if not better, as it does now. So they're, they're, they're hearing things. These, these other count, these other groups of judges are hearing what's going on. They, they know that these guys, a couple of them at least, Peter and John have been in jail before. And so now they're being brought in to the inner circle so they can get the inside scoop and know everything that's going on. And they get the firsthand knowledge. So it's almost like they're, they're, they're thinking, oh, we've arrived. We're, we're cool now. We're being called to the big, you know, the big house to, to hear it all. But the high priest's whole goal and intention was to be able to have them, have the witness of all these judges to, to be aware of their crimes, of the crimes of the apostles, 
which in this case will end up being the crimes of the high priest and the council, but they, they, they're thinking that they're going to hear the charges against the apostles. And so from the perspective of the high priest, they're, they're, they're calling them in to, to call them out, okay? And they, they, they need to get rid of this infection in the, in the city of Jerusalem. Because what these guys are preaching and teaching is going throughout the whole city. Heaven forbid that everybody hear about Jesus. We don't want that. Well, not according to these guys. From the apostles, they're like, cool. Everybody's here. Everybody's going to hear about Jesus. These, these guys that are had the, the, the inner court and the outer court, the, these guys, they, they haven't been involved here. They haven't heard us preaching unless, you know, some of them probably wandered by because they, they had to hear what was going on. But the, the, the apostles now are looking at it like, we've got them. We're, we're going to get to preach the word to all of them. Everybody, all the judges at every level are going to hear, are going to get to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, you know, they're, they're kind of excited about it. They're excited about that, that everybody is there. Now, as we move on, verse 20, uh, 22, okay, the, at the end of 21, they, they've asked them to, they sent orders to the prison house for the apostles to be brought. Verse 22, the officers who came did not find them in the prison and returned and reported back, saying, we found the prison house locked quite securely and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened up, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. And, and I, I like the, the, the literal translation there. And, and I don't know why sometimes they don't just put the literal translation in there. I guess because of the grammar and it doesn't sound right or whatever. But I, I love the literal translation that would fit here. And it should read at the end of 24. They were greatly perplexed about them as to what this would become. Kind of sounds the same, but to me it has just a little bit different meaning. What? Okay, you're the high priest. You're the same. One, you're the captain of the of the guard. You're you're kind of you're kind of going like this, wondering if you're going to get to hang on to your neck, because it was a little different back then. The jailer, if the, if the prisoners got free, the jailer was killed if they escaped. And the, the the keeper of the guard here is just a little bit nervous when he hears this. I mean, he, he didn't actually go check the prison. He sat with the high priest because he was too good, you know, he was too good to go do the lowly work. But when they, when the guys come back and tell him what's going on, the captain of the guard is like, ooh, this is not good. These guys are gone. I'm going to be in trouble. But what about the Sanhedrin? What's going through their minds? They're like, okay. But we know it's not an angel because angels don't exist. So, so they checked, they checked that one off. What, what goes through their minds? These guys are more popular than we think they are. They've got more connections because either one of the jailers set them free. Okay. Maybe, maybe the apostles got one of the jailers in their back pocket. 
Or perhaps it was even one of those on the Sanhedrin. Maybe it was one of those on the council. So they kind of start looking at each other. Was it you? Yeah, maybe it was you. They start they start thinking of who, who, who amongst their group is a little bit sympathetic to these apostles. So their, their minds are, are whirring. Their, their gears are, are going pretty fast trying to figure this out. Because each one of them is saying, well, I know I didn't go let them out. That doesn't mean that one of the other ones. So now they're questioning their group. Who in the world let these guys out of prison? Everything was locked secure. Everything was just as it should have been. All the guards were in place. None of them knew of anything untoward that happened. None of them was aware. So how'd they get out? How did these guys get out? They were dumbfounded. Verse 25. Here's a but. <laughs> not, not a big one, but here's, here's a, a, a but. Some, someone came and reported to them, you know, because there's, there's always those that in, in the public that were in the gallery to, to watch the proceeding against the apostles. And, and when word comes in that the, the guys, the, the apostles weren't in the prison, you know, there's, there's, there's people scurrying out to see what they, you know, put their ear to the ground, sniff it out and see what they can find out. They want, they want to be the ones that get the scoop. Someone came, verse 25, someone came and reported to them, behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Now, a whole other set of thoughts goes through the Sanhedrin's minds and the high priest. These guys are idiots. Somebody got them out of jail? And they're standing and preaching in the temple? They're doing exactly what we told them not to do? Why didn't they run for their lives? They could have saved themselves. You know why they didn't do that? Because the purpose of their life was not to save their own lives. The purpose of their life was to continue to preach Jesus Christ. It wasn't to save their own neck. This was their chance. It was their opportunity. Not to save their own lives, but to continue to work with boldness. Not to enjoy the comforts of life but that God might benefit from the service of our lives. They weren't worried about their own life. They were more worried about obeying God and doing what he told them to do. They knew that that angel was sent from the Lord. And when that angel said, go stand and preach... They were going to go stand and preach because one, Christ had done through that whole ministry, had told them that's what their job was to do after he left. And now they've got this angel getting them out of jail, reminding them, telling them again what their mission is, should they choose to accept it. And they did. The captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence, for they were afraid of the people, lest they should be stoned. I could just see the captain of the guard going out into the temple area where the apostles are preaching. And, Peter, come here, Peter. 
He, he wasn't going to go in with force and wrap them up because they had the support of the people. Now the, the guards were concerned for their own lives. Kind of a funny turn of the tables. I'm sure the captain was like, hey, Pete, come here. Trying, trying to you know keep it on the down low and not make a big ruckus. The guards didn't use any force to get him back in front of the Sanhedrin. They went willingly. Again, their value was placed more on the ministry of Jesus Christ than it was on their own necks, their own lives. It wasn't about them and they knew it. It was not about them. It was all about Jesus Christ. No force was used and the apostles didn't resist. And in verse uh, 27, they brought them, stood them before the council, and the high priest questioned them. They're back in front of, they, they recognize the Sanhedrin, the, the group of 70 that they're used to seeing, and now, they, now to, they're, they're aware that the whole council is there, that the other two groups of judges are there, and that it's a big deal. Verse 28, the high priest says, we gave the, the, the list of charges. We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Amen and amen. Way to go, guys. <laughs> you, you did it. The whole city is full of your teaching. Praise the Lord. Because that's, that's what it was about. That's what they were supposed to do. Almost makes me want to go back to Nehemiah when we when the the wall was built and the other nations lost their confidence because they recognized that God was at work. As as much as the Sanhedrin are fighting it and don't want it to happen, they're recognizing that God is working. It's filled the city. Okay, now here's a legal term for you, and I had to look it up. I, I hated business. I, I hate anything to do with the law, the law. I mean, I yeah, we obey the law and we have to keep the laws. I get that. And we pay taxes I and mean, whatever. But I hated business law class. It's just one of the most frustrating, frustrating courses. But but here in the terms and that, and, and it seems to me that they just love to bloviate just to hear themselves bloviate. You know, they could use smaller words, but they got to use these words just to prove that they can use these words and you can. Anyhow. Contumacy. Who can define, who knows what that means? Contumacy. It's the first charge that he's given them here. Any legal minds here? Hope nobody's a lawyer. I probably offended you if you are, but you know, don't take it personally. Contumacy. I love, I love this definition. Stubborn refusal to obey or comply with authority, with a court order. Stubborn refusal. Amen and amen. These guys would not do what the Sanhedrin told them to do because it was against God. Folks, we have a responsibility to obey civil law. And when the civil law is in place, as long as it does not try to thwart God and his purposes, as long as it does not compel us to sin, 
We need to follow the civil law. But there comes a point. There comes a point. And we came across it earlier in, in, in Acts. Now, it wasn't quite as clear as, as Peter is in his response here. But he's, he is so precise and clear here. I love it in verse 29. We must obey God rather than men. Just flat out, unabashed, simple for even me to understand. We're going to obey God rather than men. That's, that's our responsibility as believers. So a stubborn refusal to obey or comply with authority or a court order. They were found in contempt of court, sedition and factions. And, and at the end of verse 28, the high priest says, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. You, you have a plot to set the people against us. All through Acts we've seen so far. Chapter one, uh, 2, verse 23, you, you, nailed, you nailed him to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Chapter 3, verse 13, the one you delivered up and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release them. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murder to be granted. But you put to death the author of life whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And here you get uh, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. That by the name of Christ, Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. And now we have it here again. Verse 30, whom you put to death by hanging him on a cross. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 27, if you would, please. Matthew 27, this is, this is when Jesus is being examined by Pilate, and then Pilate gives them the option, Jesus or Barabbas. Verse 24, when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing but rather that a riot was starting, and he took water and washed his hands in front of the multitude, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood, see to that yourselves. And here you go. Verse 25, the high priest and the Sanhedrin and all those leading the charge to have Christ crucified. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. How ironic in Acts chapter 5, verse 28, that he is accusing the apostles of intending to bring this man's blood upon us. In Matthew, you called for that. You wanted the blood of Jesus Christ to be on your hands and on the hands of your children. And now you're trying to make it on us that we're trying to get the people against you? You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Huh. Wrong answer. You don't talk about twisting the facts. It's another reason I don't like lawyers.
I mean, some TV shows are frustrating enough to me. I can't imagine it happening to me in, in real life where, where the facts are just t twisted and turned on their head. They, they say, you know, numbers, statistics, you can make them say whatever you want. It, it doesn't matter about numbers in a, in a, in a, in a courtroom. Lawyers can make anything say anything. I mean, if you can't figure out what the definition of the word is, is, you got problems, folks. You got problems. How do I how do I contrast this? You you got the high priest just being such a downer. In verse twenty nine to thirty two, you got Peter. Peter stands up now. Now this this is the Peter. Think, think back about in, in, in Acts, think in, in, in the New Testament, think back just about eight weeks before this. Eight, eight to ten weeks, we're not sure the exact number of days is, is this and that, but right around two months ago, what was Peter doing? He denied Christ three times. I never knew him. I don't know who that is. And, and he's denying this to just a little maid girl in the courthouse outside of the, the, the hearing where Pilate's questioning Christ. To a little girl. He won't even admit that he knew Jesus or that he was with Jesus. To anybody else in that, in that courtyard trying to stay warm by the fire. This Peter denied Christ three times. What changed? What was the difference? Acts 1 8. And, and it's funny. I, I, I love it. I, I, I don't always agree with all the commentators I read, and I think I think they missed this point. Every one of them say, well, it's because he's got the Holy Spirit now. And that's true. He's doing this in the power of spirit. He's not doing this in and of himself, because if it was in and of himself, he'd be back eight weeks ago. But what else happened between between that night? Peter saw Jesus Christ die on the cross for his sins. He saw Christ pay the ultimate price. And he realized, and then after the resurrection, when Peter knew that Jesus knew that Peter had denied him three times, and after the resurrection, Peter got to be in the presence of the risen Savior. And that Savior still loved Peter, even though he had denied him three times. I think that went a long ways. And I was disappointed that not one of the commentators mentioned that. And, and I understand and agree that it was the power of the Holy Spirit. It was not any of Peter's own power that he's doing this. So I'm not taking away from that at all. But I think it had a lot to do with him seeing his Savior die for him. And after the resurrection, still love on him knowing what he had done. Just like we were saying a little bit ago, that the, that the high priest and the Sanhedrin were jealous of the apostles because they were healing people in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. They were not doing it on themselves. But who wouldn't want to be healed? After Peter denied Jesus Christ three times, who wouldn't want to be loved by Christ? Who wouldn't want to be forgiven? 
Who wouldn't want to know that the one that you denied still loves you? And so it's it's with this this change of heart and this change of person. We've seen it through the whole book of Acts already. Uh, how how bold Peter was in his witness and his testimony. Peter and the apostles answered and said, "We must obey God rather than man." The God of our fathers raised up Jesus. A really important word there is our. Don't underestimate that little word there. Because he is including the Sanhedrin. He knows that they're Jews, they're Israelites, and the God of our fathers, of Abraham and Isaac, of Moses and the prophets, that God is the one who has exalted Jesus Christ. He is your father too. We are not presenting a new God. We are not making up a God to worship. We are not making up a God to drive you nuts and make you angry at us. This is the God of our fathers. This is the God that you should already know because of our history as a nation. You guys are Jews. We're Jews. God is our Father. And the God of our fathers raised up Jesus exalted him to the highest possible place. And what did you do? Whom you put to death by hanging him on a cross. From the ultimate exaltation of God, of Jesus Christ by God, to the ultimate slam and disgrace of the Sanhedrin and the high priest by having our Savior put to death. But as we read a few chapters back, and that's okay because that was God's plan from the start. But don't try to don't try to wash your hands of this blood. You guys are responsible for doing it, just as each and every one of us is responsible. When we when we study God's word, it's it's always easy to point the finger at somebody else. It's always easy not to acknowledge that. Their sin that, that is, is being judged very possibly could be in my heart as well, and most likely is. I can't point the, you know, we've done that, point the finger, you point the finger, and you got three back at you at least. Folks, I have to put my seat, myself in the seat with the Sanhedrin. Because it was my sin that crucified Jesus Christ. In verse 30, Peter keeps boldly proclaiming, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus. Again, the resurrection that has got to drive those Sadducees nuts. Jesus, he is risen. Good, you got to get in practice. Easter's coming, okay? He is risen. Amen. Amen and amen. He's not dead. Our God is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead. God raised him up. Verse 31, He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. 
We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given those who obey him. I want to, I want to, where to go here? I, I want to read this. This is, this is not my thought, but one of the commentators, I don't remember which one, but I want to read what he says. Just, it's real short. And he's talking about the Sanhedrin here, and Peter mentions the repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. These are blessings that they did not value and that they did not see their need of. Oh, that God would break our hearts. Psalm 51, that he would break our hearts. that we might see, that we might value, and that we might see the need of repentance and forgiveness of our sins. Can't emphasize it enough. We, we have to understand and realize that the sins that these people are guilty of, we are guilty of just can't point the finger at somebody else. Peter said, we are witnesses of these things. And the Holy Spirit is a witness. Look, turn quickly in closing to John 15. John chapter 15, verse 26. Every week when I finally think I have a short sermon... It goes long. <laughs> oh, that's why I'm in chapter 16. I'm like, man, that verse 13 does not look right. It's because I'm in chapter 16. Let's get back to chapter 15, verse 26. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father... That is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness of me. The Holy Spirit will bear witness of Jesus. And Peter is reiterating the the very gospel, the very words of Jesus here. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. How does God know that we love him? By our obedience. If we are not obedient to him, I think it's safe to, you know, the the old geometry of A equals B and B equals C than A equals C. Okay? And if C equals D, no, I'll leave it there. (laughs) If we do not obey God, we do not have the Holy Spirit. If we do not have the Holy Spirit, we are not saved. Now, I'm not going to judge you on that. I'm going to let God do that. That's His work. But that's how we know that we love Jesus. That's how we know that we love Him. is by obedience to His words, to His commands. 
whom God, and so, okay, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. I think it's safe to say that God does not give the Holy Spirit to those that do not obey. If you want to just follow that logic through. So, are you obeying God? Are you obeying his word? Do you care about his word? Do you care about what it says? I wish I had that quote. It's on my computer. I know right where it is. But it has to do with Tripp, and it has to do with the... Paul Tripp is the one who said it, and, and he, he said, the song of our heart is, is like our, our, life, our life story. When, when you go throughout the week, what song comes to your heart? Are, are they songs that worship the world, or are they songs that worship God? What do you find yourself humming? I pray that they're songs that worship and glorify God. Because we are to meditate on his word. We are to obey him. We are to obey his words. Where's your heart? Find it here. Sorry. What what are, are are you fighting the exaltation of Jesus Christ? Or are you exalting him in your heart? I know it's a serious question, folks, but there, when you love God and, and you know and you can answer with the confidence that Peter does here in Acts because he saw his Savior die for him and he has the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live in victory. This, this is serious business. We need to consider it. But, but in, in verses 29 to 32, the defense that Peter gives is, is just, I mean, to me, it's just full of joy. I mean, yeah, he's still calling, he's still calling the Sanhedrin out. But we know that we have a Savior whom God has exalted to the right hand as a prince and a Savior to grant repentance and forgiveness. We can live in victory. And as Easter's coming up, as we... Two weeks is Palm Sunday, and then and then as we'll celebrate Easter. Consider this. Consider those in your family. Consider those in your neighborhood that need Jesus. Oh, and I was going to tell you, I, I was going to use Robin as a as an illustration today. The apostles. The sorry. Going kind of long. The apostles saw this when they got to come in front of all the councils, saw this as an opportunity to share Jesus. And in her hospital room, Robin has had, she's looking for, and she's had the opportunity to share Jesus. And there's been a couple of her, her caretakers, I don't know if they were nurses or doctors, that, that she has asked are you a Christian? There's something different about you. Do you know Jesus? And everybody she's asked said, yeah, I know Jesus. But she's also had the opportunity 
And she, she, you know, just as, just as it's obvious, you know, how, how do people know we know Jesus? They should be able to tell that we've been in his presence through, through prayer, through being in the word. Do, do we look like we've been with Jesus or do we look like we've been with the devil? What, what's our countenance? What's our outlook? And, and just as she's been able to choose and, and ask some, do you know Jesus because of their countenance? There's others. She said, there's no doubt they don't know Jesus. And she's been able to take the opportunity to share. We need to take opportunity to share. We need to look for those opportunities. People say, well, I don't see Jesus in my life. Well, are you looking for him? Are you looking for him? Well, I don't know how to share. Are you looking for the opportunities? And it should just be this easy. Just talking. If, if, if God is the song of your heart, it shouldn't be hard to share Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for, for the apostles and their standing up. We know that in, in this instance, again, Peter is their mouthpiece, but all the apostles stood for you. All of them were witnesses. All of them were, were more than glad to put their life on. Not one of them tried to escape and leave when they were released from prison by the angel. Father, let that be the story of our lives. Help us to, to look for opportunities to share Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. And I pray in your son's name. Amen. Remember to pray.